and my children it, thought of her as, you know, the northern star. She was their guiding light. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron J. Season 1 is finally here on this Thursday. Can you believe it? I am so excited and grateful that you've chosen to tune in as I try to tell stories of crime right here in the Classic City. My name's Cameron J. I'm a former apprentice funeral director and embalmer. I know, don't freak out just yet. I then became a marketing guru and wedding officiant who has a deep love for history and politics and a passion for justice, too. I know what you're thinking. What the does he have going on? Well, a lot. And as my friend Casey puts it, I'm kind of like an onion. And no, 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 not because I don't put on deodorant or take enough showers. It's because there's a lot of layers here, and I hope I'll get to share some of my layers with you as we move throughout this journey together. My desire to start Classic City Crime came from my true own experience with injustice and loss due to tragic circumstances. I had a cousin who was murdered when I was just a child in the 90s, a best friend whose life was taken from us when we were only 14 at the hands of a distracted driver. I hope to tell you more about Jacob, by the way, later. And yes, those cases that came through the funeral home every single day that will never leave my mind. Justice truly is something that we can all advocate for, and I must say, it's important now more than ever. And that's what I hope to accomplish with your help with Classic City Crime. But enough of all of that, this podcast is not about me. It's about crime right here in Athens, Georgia, better known to many as the Classic City. It's a place that I and many of you have called home, whether for a moment in time as a student at the University of Georgia, or you're an Athenian who's been here for years. For me, I'll personally tell you, I came here six years ago to go here as a student, but I fell in love with this city and all it has to offer. And quite frankly, I don't think I'll ever leave. Now, when I started this podcast, I really thought I would do one episode, one story. Each episode would be about a different case with a few interviews here and there. But you know, that all changed when I met, by phone call at least, the family of Tara Louise Baker. I knew immediately the podcast could not tell Tara's story in just one episode, so... We'll see where this goes as we start telling this story, as people start hearing, as people start remembering. And who knows, we might uncover some new truths and begin writing new chapters along the way. I will ask one request of you right now, though, before we go any further, please hear me out. Do not go Googling this case right now, and here's why. Not because I'm worried that you'll find something out I'm going to tell you later but because I really think that this case needs a new, unbiased lens from people just like me and you. This is Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron J.
The story of Tara Louise Baker will be the focus of season one of Classic City Crime. Tara was a 23-year-old second semester law student at the University of Georgia back in 2001. Born on January 20, 1977 in East Point, Georgia, she was bold, bright, and yes, beautiful. When I say bright, though, that's an understatement, y'all. She graduated high school in 1995, a year after I was born, by the way, and attended Georgia College in Milledgeville, where she earned not one, but two bachelor's degrees. That's when she came right here to Athens to attend UGA Law and receive that law degree and become the lawyer or judge she always dreamed of. That is, until Tara was brutally attacked and murdered in her fawn drive home right here in Athens. I will tell you that some parts of this season could be disturbing for some listeners, and viewer discretion is advised. And I promise, if you hang with me and do this one thing for me, we'll get to all that later. So what's that thing? I want you to know and listen to who Tara Baker was. You know, so often when it comes to true crime, we get so caught up in the juicy details or the latest online conversations that we really forget about talking about who it is that this crime occurred to and the families that they left behind. I want to introduce you first in this podcast to Tara's mom, Miss Virginia Baker. Now, I have to tell you, I think Miss Virginia has become one of my new friends, and for some reason, when I talk to her, that southern accent of mine comes right back in full swing. I'm not sure why that is, but perhaps it's because when I talk to her, it really just feels like home. Our phone calls often drift to talk about our daily lives and routines, usually with her reminding me to slow down and take a breath. Obviously, I do not heed that advice, so if you're listening, Miss Virginia, I'm sorry. I'm still working on it. But we always bring our conversations back to her firstborn daughter, Tara, a young woman with an old soul who was taken from this world, from Athens, from us, way too soon. I'm going to turn it over for a few moments so that you can get a good idea of who Tara Louise Baker was, the family's northern star. Here is Miss Virginia. Well, of course, she was my firstborn child. She was my absolute joy, and she was a, as a lot of people have said in articles, she was an absolutely true Southern girl. She, people have called her a little Southern belle because she was proper, she was kind, she had a way of making everybody feel very, very special. And when, as she grew older, she became... What my I've heard so many in my family say she was the light of our family, absolutely. And my children thought of her as, you know, the Northern Star. She was their guiding light. The North Star, our guiding light. Wow, that phrase has really stuck with me as I've listened back to that interview. What better words could one use to describe another? I mean, the North Star is the brightest star in the constellation Ursa Minor. A source of hope for many. So, you know, that's perfectly descriptive of who Tara was. As a sister, as a friend, and as a daughter. The way Miss Virginia speaks about Tara truly brings me to tears. And I'm sure it will you too. She made a big impression wherever she went because she had her face was so genuine. It's like if she really liked somebody and she smiled at you, her nose crinkled. I mean, she smiled from the top of her head to the bottom of her toes. 
And I must and say, could make you feel so warm and loved. She was gorgeous and beautiful. She was, but you know, she never really talked about that. Hmm. People commented on that as beautiful as she was. She never really said a whole lot about that because she cared more about what was inside. Wow. And wanted people to see beyond that and see, you know, the real Tara. I tell you what, Miss Virginia, it sounds like you and your husband did a did a really good job. Well, I think she was a gift. I really do because honestly, when Tara was little, when she was, I guess, about three years old, we decided, you know, that it was time for another child because, I mean, after all, Tara was perfect. I could. <laughs> put her on a, a blanket and she'd sit there for hours and play while I did housework. I didn't have to be bothered. She could entertain herself. She, you know, when she was tiny, I taught her how to make, write the alphabet and she would write a whole line of A's and a whole line <laughs> of B's and just patient and caring. But she always was a little bit ahead of everybody. And when she was in grammar school, one of the teachers was quite concerned and said to me that they really thought there might be a problem with Tara. And I said, are you serious? It was like maybe first grade. Mm -hmm. I said, is she causing trouble? What? Oh, no. We just think there may be something wrong with her because we were trying to get uh, everybody to write their name. And Tara's, you, it was just upside down. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay. But, and then I went to a, a conference, and they said, she's writing upside down and backwards. I think she could be dyslexic. Mm. We don't know. There must be something wrong. And I said, have you asked her? And then when I asked her, she said, I got so bored waiting for everybody to get finished. I just tried writing it like you would see it in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's kind of the way she always was. She was just always a little bit ahead of everybody. But she had been writing things long before she went to grammar school, and she was trying to be patient and not cause a scene or anything and say, I'm bored and I'm through. And so she just tried it, writing it one time upside down and one time upside down and backwards. Wow, that is such a so, funny story. But they thought, oh my goodness, there's something wrong with this child. <laughs> oh, um, I'm sure you have quite a lot of stories like that from... From are, her being ahead of the curve. Of things like that about her. But she was always, and she was never a selfish child. I remember her very first Christmas, she was like, we had all the toys and everything set out. And she ran and picked up one and took it that she liked and thought that was hers and the rest must belong to somebody else. Mm. And she was just always so gentle and so caring and respectful of people and things. And when my she went to Georgia College, my youngest brother is, was like nearly 20 years younger than me. And he was still there in Milledgeville. And she would take care of him. Hmm. She would always be like, honey, you can't do that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> They were not that far apart in age. It was hilarious. Because <clears throat> I have two brothers that were one 15 years younger than me and one 20 years younger. But it was just, she would always just keep him out of trouble. <laughs> and he passed away 
in 2014. He rolled his Porsche. Oh, and no. He died. Mm. But I know I had the such a dream, you know, after he died, and I just saw Tara walk up to him and take him by the hand and say, come on, honey, we have to go. So Tara, though now forever 23 as a result of the violent homicide we will get to later, was once a child too, just like me and you, with hobbies that some of us had. I think it's important to ask about these things, to get an idea of what it was like growing up with Tara Baker. Well, I'll tell you the funniest story is she wanted to play softball. Like uh, a lot of her friends at school when she was in grammar school and and middle school. But Tara was not an athlete. She just wanted to belong with the other kids. And she spent most of her time sitting in the outfield picking clover. So fun story. Um, I actually totally understand Tara's frustration with t-ball. So my dad was actually my t-ball coach as a kid, and I remember hating playing the game. And so I would always, you know, during the game, be in the outfield and decide to turn my back, sit down on the ground, pick grass, and sing Amazing Grace as loud as I could, probably in spite. So I totally get that, Tara. But anyway, Tara really did have it all, as you can see. That's one thing I've grown to learn, as well as she was on her way to accomplishing her dream, becoming a lawyer, or perhaps even a judge. Athens, Georgia is home to the UGA, and it has a way of attracting some of the state's brightest and most creative, and bright she was. Miss Virginia remembers Tara's love for justice and the law from a very, very young age. She had always wanted to be. She would hold trial with her teddy bears. (laughs) She was, but then she always wanted to be in litigation. And then as she got older, she decided she wanted to practice real estate law (laughs) because she said that is happy law. (laughs) When people come in to buy a house, they're happy and it's a new beginning. So I'd really like to do that. Or I'd like to do adoptions or I want to do happy law. I'm sure some of you did things like this as a kid, too. I remember being a teacher who had many dolls as a kid who had to attend my history lessons. And I must say, I'm really, really glad that I my teachers were nicer to me than I was to those dolls. (laughs) But Tara's maturity didn't stop with teddy bear trials. If you wanted to do something that involved working with Tara, well, you better know that a contract's coming. She would write contracts when she was very little. (laughs) I still have a a letter that she wrote to the president one time complaining about, this was fourth grade, about him interrupting the Cosby show because that was her favorite show she looked (laughs) forward to. And then when she was in college, she continued the little thing of writing contracts because there was a a guy that was going to wash her Well, he wanted help with a paper, and she wrote a contract and said, well, you wash my car once a month for the three months, and I will help you do this paper. One thing is for certain. Miss Virginia talks about Tara and all of her children so, so highly, and rightfully so. Tara was the oldest of four, two brothers, Adam and Kevin, and a sister, Meredith, who's actually the first person I reached out to about this case. Hear from Tara's siblings as they describe a sister full of love, compassion, and downright grit. We'll be right back. Self-quarantine got you down about your current home? Does your roof leak or floor creak? Is there a man-eating clam in your backyard? 
Contact local real estate expert and Athens, Georgia's second favorite realtor, Jarrett Martin, with Keller Williams Realty Greater Athens. If you're considering selling your current home or buying your first, warm and friendly with a little dry wit thrown in for good measure, you're sure to love Jarrett Martin. Visit www.athensgeorgiahomes.com. Still here? Good, because there's a lot more to talk about. Tara had amazing siblings, and I wanted to make sure to include them in this podcast, too. In fact, her sister, Meredith Baker, now Meredith Schroeder, of course, is the person I reached out to first when this journey began, and it was by Facebook Messenger, so I really didn't know if she was going to tell me to take a hike or embrace telling me Tara's story. And luckily for me, I'm glad she trusted me to talk. Thanks, Meredith. Her big sister, Tara, was her North Star, too. Meredith was just 15 on January 19th, 2001 when Tara was killed, and though nearly 20 years has passed since that day, her memories of her sister have not faded one bit. Meredith describes Tara so well you'll feel like you know her. I must say that I do. So stay with us as Meredith recounts the sister she knew. It's been been said so often that it's almost like being a dead horse, but it's it's never going to stop being true. She was such an old soul. I mean, she, she was 23 when she died, but she already took on so much responsibility and already had accomplished so much in her life. Um, she was loving. She was meticulous. She was a fighter. Um, she was not, she wasn't as funny as my, my brother, I I would call him the, (laughs) the more hilarious of the four, but she was, she had a great sense of humor. Mm. Um, She was not the most graceful. She was not the most athletic and she is probably the worst driver I've ever met in my entire life. (laughs) Uh, She had the best laugh, the best smile. Um, You you could always tell that you got her because she would, um, there was this little wrinkle that would come at the top of her nose when she smiled and you knew that that was it you know she was about to roll on the floor laughing and um she was just infectious um she she just had the most perfect picture smile it wouldn't take more than you know someone to shout say cheese and she'd whip that hair around and you know you'd have a portrait right there and she was quite beautiful too she was um she was an absolute she's just a classic beauty um she'd always been described as like a light you know she walked in a room and everyone noticed her um and she was just an absolute ball of energy in life and i think that the biggest testament to how caring and loving she is is that it has been 19 years since she's died and there are people that she went to law school with that are still fighting for her that are still telling her story and these are people who knew her for six months or less. Hmm. She she died one month into her second semester at law school. Tara, however, was not perfect. There was one funny thing that Meredith actually brought up that probably might be the only thing that Tara didn't do well. I don't want to tarnish her reputation, but she wasn't perfect. Um, it, it's everybody's joke that she was a terrible driver, but it was true. She was the absolute 
worst driver. Um, one of the attorneys that she worked for during her gap year spoke at her funeral, and he would say, sometimes, you know, that car would just go faster than she intended it, and she would hit cars <laughs> that would just jump out in front of her, you know, parked cars, just somehow found their way in her path. Um, she was just an absolute horrible driver. Um, she was not athletic at all, but she she tried. She tried so hard. She um she could speed walk circles around you though. <laughs> um, That's my she, kind of exercise, <laughs> right? Um, she was five four, ninety pounds, soaking wet. But I mean, she she was a fighter. Did you hear that? That's one thing everyone echoes about Tara, and you'll hear it as a common theme throughout this season. She was a champion of the underdog which really troubled me, actually, and it will trouble you, too, as we tell this story and take this journey together. Who would want to, in such an unjust way, brutally murder someone who themselves was such an advocate for justice? This question's a hard one to answer, honestly, and I hope as we go along we might find out the answer to it, the why and the how. Meredith has since moved right here to Athens, the place where her sister was murdered 20 years ago, to keep an eye on the case and feel closer to Tara. After all, as she put it to me, Athens didn't take her sister. A person did. And yes, I agree, Meredith. An evil person indeed. For every strong sister, there are always brothers out there, though, to protect and care for them. And Tara had that in her brothers Adam and Kevin Baker. Kevin is the youngest, was just 10 at the time of Tara's murder in 2001, and though he was young, Kevin says there's one distinct thing he remembers quite well about his big sister. Take a listen. I barely remember what her voice sounds like, but I do remember one word, and I can, she always called me baby darling, and I can remember what it sounded like when she would call me from the foyer of her house. When I would be upstairs, she'd be downstairs, I could hear it echoing through the house. Um, you know, so that that's important to me, and she was, in, she was involved in so many different things. and Can't you just hear that in your head? Baby darling, in a southern accent? That's just my imagination, of course. I'm sure Tara did it much better. Kevin may be older now, but his memories of Tara seemed very vivid to me, like they were just yesterday. My mom was actually in the hospital. My dad was at the funeral parlor already with my grandmother. Mm. And Tara came home from college because my mom was in the hospital with a ruptured esophagus. So she came to take, she took time and left this left school and put her classes on hold to come take care of the kids because my dad was working by himself managing two businesses while my mom was fighting for her life in the hospital. So wow. that was that kind of shows the you know the kind of person that she was. And she uh, we were all running around like crazy trying to get ready and she pretty much laid the law down we have got to leave here we need to be there this time everybody she i remember i walked in she i mean at the time i was probably eight years old at this point so she laid out my clothes making sure that i had the right tie my shoes matched my belt and all this other stuff and meredith you know is in eighth grade and she's helping meredith do her hair and of course he remembers tara being the typical older sister which sometimes meant yeah he became a life-size doll listen to this story uh, yeah, uh, I don't remember this, but this is just stories I've been told, is that um, when I was a baby, and it's embarrassing, but I mean, you know, you got to be able to laugh at yourself at this, that my <laughs> sister would dress me up 
in Cabbage Patch doll outfits. She would, <laughs> she, would strip, she would strip the Cabbage Patch doll outfit off and dress me up as a doll. <laughs> and um, my sister had a really close friend that lived across the street, um, and she would come over and visit. And well, growing up, to me, she was like another sister uh, mm-hmm. for a while. And my mom would really tell Mar- or tell Tara's friends, leave the baby alone. He's sleeping. Don't bother him. You know, he's, he's taking a nap, whatever it was. And they would always want to come home and play with the baby and play with the, you know, play with the toddler. And um, so my mom was always very like, y'all want to play with him? That's fine. But here's the hours of operation. And like Meredith, Virginia, and his older brother, Adam, that you'll hear from next, Kevin remembers very well the voice of reason and action that was Tara's. Um, I, I remember that she always made sure that she had a voice in the, in the conversation, a gentle voice. She would never get uh malicious with anything but she would always want to listen to every side of the story before she would make a conclusion you know if i got in a fight with uh meredith upstairs and it just turned into some big commotion she come up and break it up you know um she would listen to both sides hmm. you know or putting somebody in time out like myself or telling meredith to, you know take meredith and take her wall phone away because back then they didn't have cell phones One heartbreaking and pivotal moment for younger brother Kevin I saw through this interview was the fact that, you know, it came a time where he outgrew Tara and became older than she ever lived to be. Take a minute to listen to how he describes that moment. It was very difficult as the youngest sibling to finally pass her in age. You know? Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. That uh, that hit me hard when I, when I, I mean, for the longest time, Oh, she's still my big sister because she's older than me. Still, she had been dead thirteen years, and she was still older than me. You know, she had had more life experience. But when I finally passed her, now I'm the, essentially the older brother. You know, I really can't think of how hard that must be. So, Kevin, if you're listening, I want you to know that I do think Tara'd be very proud. Lastly, I want you to hear from Brother Adam, closest to Tara in age. He's now a respected Air Force major. Back in the 90s, he was Tara's little brother, and as he put it, they were a dynamic duo. Close is an understatement, I think, though. I enjoyed chatting with Adam, and it really helped me gain a better insight of who Tara was as a sister as they were the closest in age. Adam describes Tara as a sister growing up and what she was like to him. Take a listen. Um, Tara and I were... We were... Uh, I, I hesitate to say this because I'm always afer- afraid of it kind of uh, uh, hurting the other two siblings, but I think they they both know it's true. Uh, Tara and I were we were exceptionally close. Uh, we were probably the the closest of the siblings. Um, we were uh, really best friends from from childhood all to till the rest of our life. Uh, we we were extremely close. Um, Kevin was uh, very young and. Uh, Meredith and Tara, they uh, they they had a wonderful relationship, but didn't quite have as much in common and everything as Tara and I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tara and I just kind of always were were sort of that that duo in the family. Uh, she was very uh, she was also very fiercely uh, passionate about everything. Um, she uh, she had an extreme passion for justice and injustice, which uh, 
you know, the, the irony is not lost on us on that. Um, she, uh, she just had a way of, of loving people and, uh, she, she tended to take in, I can't think of a better way to say it than she would take in stray. She would see people that, that needed a friend that, you know, maybe people didn't, didn't see much in that person. And she would take that person in as a friend and, you know, try and uh, almost just just be that friend that the person always needed. And when you became Tara's friend, you were her friend for life. She was uh, fiercely loyal. So like Adam and others have said, Tara really was the champion of the underdog, the advocate for others, someone who fought for justice from early on in life. Adam actually recalls a time that made me laugh when Tara wrote the President of the United States about an issue. How dare he interrupt her favorite show? It makes me laugh because, well... I might have written a couple of elected leaders in my childhood and have those letters still saved, but I think Tara and I would have gotten along just fine and probably gave some elected leaders enough hell between the both of us. Anyway, here's Adam telling his story. I do remember one time she uh, she wrote to the president because he did a uh, a speech from the White House and interrupted the Cosby show. and. Uh, she really liked the Cosby Show at the time, so as a kid, she she wrote a letter to the president to uh, to express her uh, her dissatisfaction with that choice. <laughs> the last person I want to tell you about in this episode was Mr. Lindsey Baker, Tara Baker's stepfather, but father nonetheless, as is made known by her last name. He loved Tara with all of his heart. That's one thing that every single person I talked to said. And he was her advocate, the family spokesperson after her death. And unfortunately, he could not be interviewed for this podcast due to his passing from a stroke. But I am hopeful, just like the family, that he and Tara are together again. You'll learn more about Mr. Baker and his fight for justice for Tara as this season progresses. Well, I hope you know a little more about Tara Baker now and what this podcast is going to be all about and who she was before she was murdered on January 19th, 2001. You've heard about her through the eyes of those who knew her best, her family. Miss Virginia has a lot to be proud of in her children, and to be honest, I think she knows it. I think all my children are pretty amazing, honestly. (laughs) Meredith is a paralegal now, living in Athens. Younger brother Kevin now manages a successful business in Atlanta, And Brother Adam is a major in the Air Force. I thanked him for his service. And then there's Tara, the Northern Star, killed at 23 years old nearly 20 years ago, right here in Athens, Georgia. And this case does remain unsolved. That's where I and all of you come in, though. Now that you know who Tara is, join me next time as we talk to her friends and fellow classmates, the people who knew her up until her last days. What kind of friend was Tara? Did they sense something was wrong in those last days? We'll find out soon enough. Next time on Classic City Crime, I'm Cameron J. I hope you've enjoyed this season one episode of the Tara Baker Story. We are now streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Classic City Crime and on the web at www.classiccitycrimepodcast.com. For inquiries, story tips, or to contact me, Cameron J., email classiccitycrime at gmail.com. Stay well, be well, thank you.